We're going to have four students, bless you, we're going to have four students share this morning from their lives and somewhat to share about their identity in Christ and also somewhat to share about their relationship with one another and their growth in Christ over this year. Uh, I'd like to share my fifth point, which ties into exactly what they're going to be sharing about from the other talks. And I'll do that in about five, for about five minutes here, and then the rest of the time we'll hear from students who, in a sense, will flesh it out with their lives. Before I begin, though, can I uh, make a correction from Monday? When I uh, There's a little rumor going around that this may be my last year at Westmont. Don't tell Dave Winter that, because it's not true. I'm planning to be here next year. When I said on Monday, I realized this was my last sermon of the year. I, I didn't mean my last sermon of West, my Westmont you know, time. So uh, just to, if any of you wondered about that and were starting to celebrate too early, I wanted you to know uh, uh, you'll see me again here next fall. We talked about this invitation that Jesus gives. Everywhere on the lips of Jesus, William Barclay says, in the Gospels, you find an invitation. He's always saying, come. And he's always inviting you to come to him. And when you come to him, he then invites you to follow him. And when you follow him, he invites you to become like him. But he does this with others. It's not just you and Jesus. We looked at four points that I said were important for growing in Christ-likeness. It was the first one was to intend to follow him closely. The second was to become a lifelong learner of his. The third was to keep your focus on him. And the fourth was to grow in discipline. Disciplines of prayer, study, obedience, and service. But the fifth thing that I wanted to mention that either causes us to grow in Christ-likeness or not to, it's either a friend or a foe of holiness, is the idea that we follow Christ with some other people. We do not follow Christ alone. Jesus did not call 12 individuals and meet with them in one-on-ones. He called 12 in order to be with them. And then he invited others to be in the extended circle of that. As we've mentioned, the women mentioned in Luke 8, and many others, there were 70 that he sent out two by two. But he invited them to be with him and with one another. You're not going to grow deeply in Christ alone. Because at some point, you're going to hit something that you can't conquer alone. A temptation, a struggle, a tragedy. Or you're going to hit a time when you're operating on the wrong idea. You've got the wrong idea of what God wants for you. And what you need is correction. And you need to have someone you trust enough so that you'll have ears to hear the correction from them. You'll trust them. You'll say, I don't like what they're saying, but I know their intentions are good. I know they have nothing but my best interests at heart because I've been traveling with this person for a number of years. So I believe we're meant to follow Jesus Christ together with some others. I don't believe there's any formula for how to do that. I think there are many ways to do it. The local church is the most obvious. That you can, you can root in and find some core relationships, some friendships in your local church where you can, you can dig in deep. You can find them with members of other churches and gather together in the name of Christ. There are many different ways to do this. You can meet in a group or you can not meet in a group. You can just be together on various occasions. 
You can live in the same community or you can live in other states and sacrifice time to be together at certain points in the year. You can travel together like the 12 did with Jesus so often. There are many different angles. There's no right or wrong way to do this and there's certainly no formula. But the key is that there's an intention to follow Jesus Christ together with a few others. And I want to mention three things that that'll do. It'll give you accountability, it will give you practice, and it will give you power. It'll give you accountability. You know, there aren't many people who know what your deepest struggle is. What is that one thing or those two things or those three things that you struggle with over and over and over and you fail and you fail and you try and you fail? There probably aren't many people you've shared that with. If you had some people, they could hold you accountable to grow in whatever area that is. And we need accountability. The scripture says, don't neglect gathering together, as is the habit of some, but meeting together, stir one another up to love and to good works. Well, that's what accountability is. It's the stirring up of one another to live more loving lives and to lead lives of good works, the sorts of works that Jesus would do through us. So accountability. Second, is that it gives you a chance to practice. Jesus said, the wise person is the one who comes to me, hears my words, and puts them into practice. I see close relationships, partnership in Jesus Christ, fellowship, if you want to call it that. I don't care what you call it. I see it as a, as a place where you can practice loving. And you make plenty of mistakes. But if you get it right with a few, then you can be inclusive to the thousands. But if you can't love even a few very well, if you can't stay reconciled with three, if you can't turn the other cheek with the people who love you, how are you ever going to do it with the people who don't? If you can't, if you can't stay in a loving relationship with two or three for a period of years and follow Jesus Christ together, how are you going to love thousands? So it gives you a place to practice love and to grow in a safe environment. And the third and last point is that it does give you tremendous power. You know, it doesn't matter anywhere you find two or three people unified for anything. They have tremendous power. I'm not even sure it's a spiritual principle. I think it's just designed into the universe. Wherever there is unity, there is incredible power. We just saw it acted out on the international stage in Peru from both sides. The guerrilla movement in Peru had tremendous power because 17 guerrillas were, were willing to unify, do something, I think something horrible, but do something, hold hostages for four months and the whole world's attention. And, and as it turned out, they were willing to lay down their lives for it, and they did. I'm not agreeing with their cause. I disagree with it, in fact. I don't disagree with some of the injustices that they were raising. And the people that went in were unified. Very unified. I'm not commenting on whether they should have or shouldn't have. I'm just saying when you're unified, it brings and releases power. And the same was true with Jesus and the twelve. He unified them around himself, and you're sitting here because of it. I mean, you have decided to follow a man who lived in Israel 2,000 years ago because he unified a group of people around himself. They unified others. They unified others. And it's gone on right down to 2,000 years, and now we're on another continent. The power is unbelievable. But the cost is high. 
And we live in an individualistic culture, which makes it even harder. Jesus put it this way in terms of power. He said it's the power to convert the entire world to Christ lies in partnership. He said it this way. He prayed it. He said, Father, I pray that they may be one. That's the closest partnership there is. That's the closest fellowship there is. That's the closest friendship there is, that they may be one as we are one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then the whole world will know that you sent me. That's the key to evangelism, is to have a few that you love deeply and you're willing to lay down your lives for. Well, the body of Christ hasn't done a great job of that, in my opinion. But wherever it does, it's not complicated. Wherever it does, tremendous power is released. And I can, I could point you to every century in history where believers have done this. They've stayed centered on Christ. They've grown in their disciplines. They've intended to follow Him. And they've intended to, to, to do that together. And they've intended to be lifelong learners. And tremendous power has been released. But it starts very small. Poor guy. We gotta pray. Have a laying on of hands. Brother or sister. Bless you. I'd like to introduce these students who are going to share with you now because they've been attempting this in their own ways and some of them will be sharing more just about their own journey in Christ. Others may share about growing together. And I'm going to introduce them all right now and then they'll just come up, uh, you know, when, when the time comes without further introduction and then I'll come up back up at the end. Monique Minix and Leah Palmquist and Rod Reed and Luke Sanukian are going to be sharing with you. And I believe Monique and Lee are going to come up together. Now, I'm going to put you on one mic. Do you, are you both going to be talking at the same time? Okay, great. All right, so you have to clip this on each other then when you're done. Come on up. Let's welcome them. Can you hear me? Okay. Um, just before I kind of share how I've learned or what I've learned through the group that I've been involved with, uh, Lee and I were reflecting last night just kind of on what we had been learning, and we realized through reflecting that we take for granted so much, and so much of the time that we spent together as friends, we took for granted, and because it's such a normal thing that we do on a weekly basis. So I think that through my reflection, I've come to appreciate the group so much more that I've been meeting with. But just to give you some background history on how our group came together, we were all freshmen in Page, and there were about nine girls, and we had all started to develop friendships over our freshman year, and we decided that we wanted to get a suite together our sophomore year and live together. But when we went down to the housing lottery, we couldn't get a suite together, and so we were scattered all over campus, some in Clark, some in VK, and some in Armington. And so at that point, we knew that we wanted to be committed to one another and to the growth in our friendships. So at that point, we asked two women from the community if they would be interested or consider working with us and mentoring us and kind of being the mediator within our group. And we left it at that our freshman year and went over the summer, and we all went our separate ways and we all prayed about it. And when we came back our sophomore year, 
Lord willing, it all came together. And we started meeting on a weekly basis for two hours a week as a group, and then individually whenever time allowed. And I think each year, we've been doing it for two years now, and each year and each time we meet, we grow to appreciate each other more and more. And something that I appreciate the most is that in my past, I haven't had a group of people who have had a purpose or have had the same purpose as I have had. And I was reading in C.S. Lewis's The Four Loves. He said, those who have nothing can share nothing. Those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers. And at that point, I realized that's why my friendships didn't go anywhere from high school, is because we didn't have a purpose. And so we couldn't travel anywhere together. But as the nine girls that were committed to one another, as we began to meet, we established a purpose. And that purpose was so that we could grow together in Christ through our friendships so that we can deepen our friendships, so that we can deepen our love for Christ. And so with that purpose, we kind of started out. And um, it was we've had some difficult times and some times of working through things. But the thing that I appreciate the most is that I know that when I meet with those group of girls, that when I come into a room and I tell them a, a fear that I have or a desire that I have or a trial that I've been through, that it is said in all confidentiality and that what I say will go nowhere and that they will take it up for me and lift it up to the Lord. And I think that has been the most incredible thing because we are all in this with one purpose and, and then secondly that we are all confident that the things that we say will go no further than, than that room. And when I was struggling at the beginning of the semester or at the beginning of this year with a few things, a friend played this song for me, and she said, and it said in the song, it's from Matthew 11, 28-30, and it says, Come unto me, all you who are weary. Come unto me, all you who need rest. Take up my yoke and learn about me, and I will give you rest. And as I was reflecting on that song, I realized that not only is it a place where I can come and know that whatever is said is said in confidentiality, but the Lord has prepared that place for me to find rest in Him because He is present there whenever we meet. And so I can share with, with my friends and at the same time lift it up to the Lord and find rest in Him. And I think the one thing that has encouraged me the most about meeting with a group of girls is that there's something really special in meeting with a group of people. One-on-one is incredible too, but when you're meeting with a group, there's something about it, and I think I've narrowed it down for me, that sometimes I find it difficult to to kind of chart my progress and the work that the Lord's doing in my life. I know the areas that I need work on, but I find it difficult to see exactly where I'm going and to see the progress that I made. But when we came together our freshman year, we all had some major things that we wanted to work through, and we shared that with one another in the beginning. And then throughout the two years, we've had a chance to watch one another grow, and through that, I've realized that what the Lord said, or what the... Um, verse said in Philippians that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it was confirmed because I saw people that were striving to be imitators of Christ and to pinpoint certain areas in their life and to desire to grow in those and over time I've watched them grow and so that verse has been confirmed to me and that promise has been confirmed and so when you meet together week after week and you're committed, that's one thing that comes from it, is that you can really see the, the work that the Lord is doing. And one other thing that, um, that C.S. Lewis said that I just want to share with you is that he said, in each of my friends, there's something that only some other friend can, can fully bring out. 
By myself, I am not large enough to call the whole man into activity. I want other lights than my own to show all of his facets. And when we're meeting with a group, it becomes a selfless love. And he also describes that friends stand side by side, working toward one cause. And I think that's an incredible image, and that's what we've been trying to do. And we fail, and we're imperfect, but at least we know we're imperfect together, and we're striving to become imitators of Christ. Like Monique was saying, I just want to share some of the things that I really appreciate about the group that we meet in and that I've learned. <coughs> and um, coming together our sophomore year when we started meeting, our main goal was to deepen our relationships with each other and with Christ. And we did this through sharing our life stories. And <coughs> this was really beneficial to me. What we did was uh, each of us had the opportunity to sit down for an hour or longer, however we wanted, and just share about our past, our lives, our family, our backgrounds, what we've been through. And it was so neat to be able to see all these details into the lives of my friends that I might never have realized or discovered just living in Page or living together or eating at the D.C., but just these um, little details from their life. And I found that each of us are shaped so much by, by our past and our families and that by understanding my friends and <clears throat> where they came from, that I could really understand who they are today and why they act the way they do. And it was just really encouraging to me. And it, it brought a lot of vulnerability and unity to our group to be able to have this confidentiality and be able to share these things with each other so that we knew that eight other girls would be able to know our, our secrets about our lives that we might not be ashamed of, but that we can just share together and just encourage one another and and also many similarities and differences were brought out through this how um, many of us had gone through similar things in the past and this um, facilitated a bond between us that we could really latch on to the second thing um, is just the diversity of a group meeting with that many people I think going into it I thought well we're all at Westmont we're all the same age we think pretty much the same things we all love Christ and want to follow him but I found that meeting in this group that this wasn't necessarily the case and even though all of us did want to serve Christ together that we all had different ideas about what following Christ was for each of us personally and I think sharing and listening to other people's ideas in the group really helped me to understand and to figure out why I believe the way I do. Because I don't know if I'd ever sat back and really analyzed, well, why do I believe the way that I do? Is it just from my parents, what they've told me? Or is it from past experience? Or have I ever really sat down and figured out why? And so this was a great challenge in the end, strengthened my personal faith to really sit down and figure out why I do believe the things that I do. And it also made me open-minded to considering others' ideas that other people can disagree with me and that it opens my perspective to be able to listen and discuss um, these things with my friends. Uh, the third thing, and this is probably the most difficult thing that I learned, was to take risks in my friendship. And what I mean was um, really having the desire to be honest and upfront with my friends, even if it meant sometimes stepping on toes or initiating a, com a confrontation and not 
liking confrontation myself. This was kind of a difficult thing. Actually, it was really difficult. But I found that in the end, after I did initiate these confrontations, that the friendships were just strengthened so much. And after the period of uncomfortability and um, that was over, that it really broke down walls between our friendships where we could be honest with each other and just strengthen them so much. And I'm learning to do this all the time. It's really encouraging. One aspect that helped our group tremendously was having the um, two women to help us out and mediate and be there with us. And not necessarily that they would run the group, but just that when we had questions and um, problems that we could go to them and just learn from their life experience and things that they've gone through and just really draw on their wisdom that they had for us. And this was just incredible to be able to share with these women and have them be able to mediate between us if we had a disagreement or a discussion that they could really just be there and balance our group out. And I'd encourage anyone, if they are considering meeting in a group, to seek out some spiritually mature Christians and really um, ask them if they would be able to be willing to participate in this with you. And I just encourage all of you, especially freshmen that have three more years here together, to really make this a priority. Pray about it over the summer. And when you come back, um, it's just so important to make it a priority if you're willing to make the commitment and do it. And um, it's so easy to say, oh, I'm going to be living off campus. It's going to be too hard to meet, or I have so much homework or my work schedule. But it's really important to put these friendships number one and first over these other things and as um, our group and so many other groups have been blessed by this it's really wonderful and as Bart was saying earlier I just want to read Hebrews 10 24 through 25 says and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching thank you Bart said, my name is Rodney Reed, and uh, Luke and I are not Jehovah's Witness. Don't worry about that. <laughs> we just decided to dress up nice or just respect you guys. When I was asked to talk, a few thoughts went through my head. One was a feeling of being really nervous at first, um, and then I started realizing what a special opportunity it is to be asked to talk about what you consider most important in your life. A lot of times we talk about uh, give presentations or debates or whatever, and, and the topics are important, but it's such a special opportunity to be asked to talk about what you consider most important in your relationship with Jesus. My time at Westmont here, the Lord has blessed me with some very special friends, and um, a few of these friends and I decided at the beginning of our junior year to commit to one another uh, into pursuing what it means to follow Christ, and uh, with the help of a couple of adults from town to help facilitate, as Leah was, was talked about. Um, we, decided, we tried to flesh out just what it means to follow Christ. Because in the body, in, the, in church, 
it's, it seems simple, and logically we know what we think it would mean. And, um, but essentially, really, for me, my idea of what it meant to follow Christ was essentially just being a good person. And if you were to look at a pattern of my life, it would look a lot like sin, guilt and shame resulting from that, then a feeling of separation from God, an inability to enter into a relationship with Him. And then as time passes, as I begin to feel like I'm good enough or I, I haven't sinned for a while or whatever, I feel like then I can you know, come back and talk to God or enter into a relationship with Him. And clearly this is not what anyone would describe as life in Christ. And a, and a freedom in Christ or any, any kind of relationship with Jesus that would, anyone would want to have. So I was really intimidated and um, nervous about sharing the life stories as Leah talked about with her group because I knew it meant releasing what I'd held on to for so long and what it had kept me from really enter, enter, entering into and understanding what it means to have a relationship with God, the person of Jesus Christ. As we shared the dirt in our lives and stuff that had really never been shared before with any other person, the Holy Spirit was freed to work in a way that I've, I'd never experienced before. It was so amazing to get a clear picture of yourself in relationship to God and understand what it means as we, as we became more intimate and began to learn how to love one another for who they are, accept each other for who they are, Entirely, it really helped to understand what it means to have a relationship with God. As Bart shared the passage about um, the Father being in Christ, just as we should be in, in one, that's the passage I would share about because there's, this verse just blows me away. This passage just blows me away every time I read it. And in fact, to tell you the truth, I can't even I can't even grasp what it's really trying to say. Although every once in a while I catch glimpses, let me let me share it. In chapter 17 of John, as Jesus is talking to his disciples, he lifts his eyes up to the Father and he says, and I'll skip down to verse 18. As thou didst send me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask in behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that thou didst send me. And the glory which thou hast given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. It's just incredible to me that the Lord intends and desires for us to have relationships with one another, just as he has relationships with the Father. And it's just such a, it's such a powerful description of how we can love one another and, and serve Christ together. I think it's so sad that so many Christian men especially attempt to live their lives like lone rangers for God. And uh, we were never intended to try to do this alone. The world is so hostile towards living for Christ. And yet we try to do it by ourselves. We hide we hide our deepest sins. We hide our, our things that debilitate us and keep us from actually entering into the relationship we all would want to have with Jesus. So many men carry around the same shame and guilt that they've experienced since, since they were young men and, uh, and never actually experience 
the freedom in Christ that they should. And that's really all I have. And uh, if there's one thing I've learned over the course of Westmont, it's it's how how powerful it is to to be loved, to to enter into a relationship where you're committed to being known with one another, and just the releasing power it has to to lay it all on the table with a few friends that love you and care about you and are going to accept you for who you are no matter what. Hi, my name is Luke, and senior at Westmont, soon to be alumni. And Bart uh, asked me to share just from my heart where I'm at with the Lord at this point in my life. And I just feel led to share about what my mentor calls, what Bart has called, having our identity in Christ. And for me, I really didn't know what this meant, but in John 13, Christ uh, shares his identity, and it's the passage right before he serves the disciples by washing their feet. And it's commented, It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. And for me, this is just a powerful statement. Uh, Jesus knew his identity was with God. He had come from God and was returning to God. But although I was a Christian, when I first came to Westmont, I did not have my complete identity in Christ. And an example of this is actually the very first day I came to Westmont, moving into Page Hall. Uh, I was distinctly remembering standing at my car in the parking lot, thinking, what should I bring into Westmont first? What do I want people to think of me? This is going to be my first impression. You know, I was nervous as it was, and so I chose to bring my surfboard. Just thinking it would be cool carrying my surfboard up in the page, moving in, you know, everyone seeing me. And my thought was to be a surfer. And I, I realized this that in, in a small way, I just symbolized that my identity was not completely in Christ. In the first few years at Westmont, I were just, I was worried about what people thought of me, uh, wanting to be a good student, a good friend, a good Christian. And, but now that having more of my identity in Christ, I, uh, I don't have to worry about those things, and I can become those things. And just the implications of having our identity in Christ are just amazing. And in the passage, it says what Jesus knew. And so when I, for myself, I just think, what, what do I know for sure? What am I certain about? And I know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I know that I am from God and am returning to God. And I know that he will love me and will always love me. And oftentimes I'm just reminded of my favorite Sunday school song where Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And it's just... Having this identity in Christ has just made me realize just the incredible power of his love for us. You know, and I don't have to worry about 
how I'm going to do on that next test because Christ is still going to love me. Or what am I going to do when I graduate? I mean, I, you know, I can have no idea what I'm going to do, but I know Christ still loves me. In, in, the last, in the last two years, I've been at Westmont, I've been involved in the same group that Rod talked about. And we're, we're just committed to following Christ together, or what I like to call just having our group identity in Christ. And this has really strengthened our love for God and love for each other. And so, there, there's one more thing I know. In addition to Christ loving me, the guys, the guys in the group are going to love me. And I can't hide, like, I can't impress them with the image of who I am, you know, being a good Christian, being a surfer, but I can't hide my pride or my dishonesty or just my judgmental nature. But I know that the guys in the group, Rod Reed, Seth, Joe, Mike, Pete, Eric, and Matt, I know that they will love me. And I will love them. And not just for a lifetime, but for eternity. Because when our identity is in Christ, he promises, promises us eternal life. So I just encourage us to put our identity in Christ and realize the love he has for us and allow ourselves to love others. Thank you. That was really powerful, you guys. Uh, to me, what they just demonstrated with their lives and shared with you, I can't imagine what must be like for them to stand up here as seniors looking out at their fellow classmates who know them and who've seen them and to share uh, as honestly and as forthrightly as they've done. It takes a lot of courage. But I think it's a demonstration of exactly what I was talking about. That when we have our identity in Christ, as Luke has so well said here, and we have a group of people, friendships, whether it forms itself into a group or not, friendships with people who are trying to be friends with Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and the Father, and then a few others closely. Then when we do mess up, which we do so often, don't we? We've got some encouragement. And we've got some correction. I love that statement from C.S. Lewis, that people who are going nowhere can't have any friends come along on the journey. It's so great. I'd totally forgotten that passage. So I'd like to close by asking you a question. Are you going anywhere? Are you going anywhere worthwhile? So that any of the rest of us would want to come along with you. Are you going on a journey that will last forever? And get deeper and deeper and more and more full of joy and hope and purpose. Does your life have any purpose that can last 
decade after decade after decade and into eternity. Well, I would just like to challenge you with what I've been challenging you with if you're seniors for four years. That Jesus Christ is that journey. That we go further up and further into Him and into His family, which is the church. Into His family, which are all the believers in all the countries and in all the ages. Not just who are alive on earth today. That we have them as a team. We have them as the family. It's no accident that God chose the family to be the primary core of society. It is a model, it is meant to be a model of what God's love is like for us. So let me just ask and leave you with that question. Are you going on a journey that's worthwhile? And do you have any friends moving along with you? Let's close with prayer. Let's just be quiet for a second and ponder that question. Father, I pray for those here today who are deciding in the quietness of this time that they want to be on the journey into Jesus Christ. And I pray that they might set aside caution right now and tell you quietly that they want to follow you for all of their lives with all that they have and all that they are. Father, I want to pray for those who are following you but following you alone and who want some friends for the journey. And I pray that they might make a commitment to you quietly to intentionally and prayerfully seek out, commit themselves to friends for that journey. We thank you that there are places where we can be loved with all of our shame and all of our joy, all that we are. May we experience that more and more deeply and offer it more and more completely to others. In Jesus' name, amen.